in a dark world filled with deceit. One united voice is crying out. Revealing the truth of God's word. It's time to expose the hidden truth. And unravel the lies. While we're living in Satan's little season. With Sister Crystal and Brother Phil. Welcome to Living in Satan's Little Season show. We're your hosts. Sister Crystal. Brother Phil. The topic today, problems with end times models. All these end times Models that people use to premillennialism, postmillennialism, amillennialism, preterism, explaining the problems we have and see in these things, and why I had to like kind of like figure out none of these are really working. They got all these all these models that we use today, and most of the churches are teaching. They have all these problems with it that are in the Bible. And they cannot resolve these problems. Well, spiritually speaking or scripturally speaking, these models aren't really sticking to scripture. The idea, maybe some of them are to a degree, but if you have to stretch the scriptures or lightly, you know, go over something to where it fits your narrative, it kind of goes with that part of the end of Revelation that says who adds or takes away from these words. We've got to be real careful how we're interpreting scripture so that doesn't we don't have the force the puzzle piece to fit the model we wanted to fit. Well, the first one we're going to go over, of course, is probably the most popular one. And there's a couple of versions of these, which is a premillennial version. Essentially, the premillennial version model goes that, well, we're waiting for, of course, this is before the millennial reign of Christ. So mm-hmm. this is what they believe. That's why it's called premillennialism. It's, they believe the millennial reign of Christ has not happened yet. And, of course, neither has the return of Christ, neither has the Great Tribulation, neither has Armageddon, Armageddon neither, nothing's happened yet. Right. <laughs> Essentially, the entire, all the prophecies in the Bible, even though it's been nearly 2,000 years now, right. um, not a single one of them have been fulfilled yet. And we're just waiting for those things to happen at any, any moment. And usually the, what they'll say is that we're getting close to the tribulation. And some of them will say, well, actually, we might be going through the tribulation right now. Right. And so because of how difficult things are, and of course, that's kind of like the narrative that they use. And th- of course, this is the one that most left behind uh, ones use, which is like a dispensational premillennialism. Well, the idea, though, is, and after studying and, and kind of reading through the scriptures again and again and again, you know, that whole idea, you read, you you pray, you meditate, you read again, you search the scriptures, you fast, you you know, you chew some more. You keep chewing and, you know, keep trying to figure out how to digest the scriptures the way God wants and the way it feels like it's going to be at peace with you. The idea, though, is the caveat to all of these is that they're thinking it matters to our time frame. All of the things that are in Revelation is going to happen to us. See, I yeah, think that's the whole yeah. thing is that if you get yourself out of the picture, you know, you the picture was taken without you in it. You know, it's just, this is how it's going down. And you weren't really there to be a part of that picture. You were reading events that took place before we were ever a glimmer in our dad's eye. <laughs> well, I understand, that, you know, it's like they have to have a way to try to explain all these Bible prophecies. And they want to make them relatable yeah. to every single person out there. Oh, this is just for us. When, you know, in reality, it's, you know, it's been over 2,000 years now, almost 2,000 right. years now since the birth of Christ, over 2,000 years since the birth of Christ. But right. it's like none of these things, really none of these prophecies of the Bible have happened. I mean, that's an, a, lo- that's a, a very long period of time for nothing to have happened. And so all I'm saying is, is like, 
you know, all these other prophecies in the Bible, there was always a there's always a time given on when they were right. going to happen, and all of a sudden Christ mentions this thing happening, and then it doesn't happen. And it's been almost 2,000 years since that time when he walked the earth talking about all these things that were supposed to happen. And now they haven't showed up yet. They haven't happened yet. Well, it's because we're not paying attention to detail. There are details in scripture that explain when these events have occurred. But because there again, we're thinking this is going to apply to us because it's in Revelation. And a lot of the Revelation hasn't happened yet because that's part that's partly our story well that's only because of what, of what we've been taught or told or how we want to perceive ourselves as being so important and i'm not saying we're not important we are there's another part of the picture but it just hasn't been written down right you know, there there we have all of us who are believing and seeking there is a purpose for our lives there is a time and place and purpose for us to exist is it according to what the scriptures say in Revelation? I don't believe so. I think the scriptures show it very clearly. You know, these events had already taken place. But we're going to describe each one of these models. Well, the premillennial model, of course, the first big problem they have with it, and this is not only a problem with their model, but a lot of the other ones as well, is that Christ hasn't really returned yet, despite the fact that he gave all these soon passages in, right. in Revelation. And let me just, we'll just read off these really quick because we've all read some of these. Revelation 3, 11, we've talked about that in other shows. To the Church of Philadelphia, poor church going through all this persecution and struggles, trials. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have that no one may take your crown. I'm coming quickly. I'm, I know that you're going through great trials, but don't worry. I, I'm, I'm going to come. And then he never comes for that church, and that church is gone now. See. Right. It's just, obviously, that's one big problem. Of course, later on in Revelation, as a matter of fact, the last chapter of, of the book, of the entire book, last, the very last chapter of the entire Bible, Revelation chapter 22, mm -hmm. three times, as a closing remark, Christ says the same thing. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. Okay, that's, and then that's verse 7. Verse 12 says the same thing. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. So, again, he says the same thing to the churches there. All of a sudden, these churches, he's saying, I'm coming quickly. Again, Revelation 22, verse 20. This is the last thing that Jesus says in the entire Bible. Mm -hmm. This is the entire Bible, the mm -hmm. last thing he says. Okay. He who testifies these things, saying, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, Lord Jesus. He's coming quickly. He says it so many times. And, of course, if he hasn't returned yet, well, he, in no one's definition is almost 2,000 years quickly. Right. I mean, especially when these churches were hurting and they were going through a lot of trial and persecution, struggle and trials, and he never comes. He never rescues them. He never they, – they held fast, but he never, he never showed up. Well, and that – you know, he's giving out hope here, and – He's, he's basically encouraging them to not give up. But that makes him sound like a liar if we say he never showed up. Now, does it matter what we say because we want to be included in the whole event? Or does it matter that he said he was going to come quickly and he did because these people needed him to? Yeah, so, okay, that's that's one problem with it, of course, all the eminent passages. Of course, there's other ones, like in Matthew chapter 24. This generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. He, he, right. he says this in a number of different ways. Right. Lots of eminent passages in the Bible of him coming in that generation to the people he was talking to at that time. It wasn't going to be delaying 2,000 plus years um, for whatever event that needed to happen. No, it was he already came when he said he, he did. That's a big problem. And then, of course, the dispensational premillennialism has problems with the secret rapture, and that's what they have before. They have a secret rapture, then the seven-year tribulation, and then Christ's return. So they have two, essentially, two Christ returns showing up there. Of course, we're not yet at the secret rapture. You know, and of course, that's all the Left Behind movies mm -hmm. have the secret rapture scenario where he... He's going to secretly rapture everybody up and everyone's going to be disappearing out of their clothes and all that, like we've seen in the movies, right? right? And then, of course, 
then the Antichrist will show up, make everyone take the mark, and of course the people that are converts after this time, that's the people that are, have endured the have to endure the seven year tribulation, right. um, and then of course after the seven year tribulation, then that's when Christ actual re- physical return and him starting his millennial reign at that point. Mm-hmm. Okay. The problem with that again is that, okay, you, you, I don't see any secret rapture in the Bible. It's just Christ's return. That's it. That he's going to come in the clouds and every eye will see him mm-hmm. even, you know, and so he's just going to come down in the clouds. And then, and then you know, the, my take was he, he landed on the Mount of Olives and then that's when the war of Armageddon started. Right. Um, with all the nations around was going to fight against him because they didn't, weren't going to, and of course that started the battle of Armageddon and all that kind of stuff. And of course the battle of Armageddon is described as kind of an ancient war with horsemen and horses and stuff like this. And that event hasn't, of course, most of these hasn't happened yet. None of these really, except for the preterism, uh, none of these events have happened yet according to the, to, to premillennialism. Okay. So even though horses are used in, in the, the um, in this in this war, Armageddon, um, it even though today we never would use horses in war today, it's just right. that, that's that's something that they would use back in those days, but not today. We get, there's big problems with this. That's another thing. Another problem is that of course Daniel seventy weeks. Uh, we all know the famous Daniel seventy week passage back in the book of Daniel chapter nine, and of course he says seventy weeks are determined four hundred and ninety years. They have to stretch that 490 years out to four, basically 69 weeks plus a gap mm. of the church age. Right. So now it's been going on for nearly 2,500 years now, Daniel's 70-week prophecy. <laughs> um, and, and that's what they, these guys have to do. It doesn't fit their narrative. And so they have to somehow, okay, oh, wait a minute. There's 69 weeks and then there's a big gap that Daniel didn't see. And then the last week is when the, the, the Great Tribulation, which hasn't happened yet. Seven-year tribulation. So m- my take on that is that, well, no, it's, if it says 70 weeks, it means 70 weeks. It right. means 70 weeks plus a gap. Right. And this is a problem with this. It, that's what they do. They, if it doesn't fit their theology, they have to somehow get it to fit, and that's how they do it. They, oh, we have to throw in this gap idea of the whole Christian age mm-hmm. in there uh, between the 69th week and the 70th week. And that's what what they've done. So a lot of holes with this premillennialism um, position that it just it you just have to just twist scripture around to get it to to say certain things. Plus the whole idea of the Gog Magog war, and then this is a problem with most of the other ones too. The the kind of weapons that were used in this war, which is the last war that happened really before the end, before right. the Great White Throne Judgment. You know, they're using bucklers, swords, spears, you know, ja- they're using all these old weapons that none, we would use none of those today. Archaic weapons. Yeah, archaic, the weapons that they would use before the advent of gunpowder, right. essentially, you know, swords, spears. They were using all these old weapons. Right. Weapons that we don't use any of those weapons now because we have guns and a lot better weapons than they had back then. Right. So obviously that's a big problem with their with their thing too. Of course, they have a way to work around that, which there's too many workarounds with this with this one. That's why I had to, even though I once I kind of believed all this, right. I had to like go on. Oh, now there's you have to twist too many scriptures around to get it to fit. I, you know, there's no way God would just make it. Well, the problem that I have with that is that twisting it almost distorts and puts puts the picture a whole different picture. So the more you have to twist and reconfigure a piece to fit where you want it, there's no puzzle that makes it to where you just make the puzzle piece fit the way you want it and it changes the whole picture of, of what the puzzle is supposed to look like to begin with. And that's not what God designed. He designed scripture to fit perfectly in place the way he and it was written yeah. and inspired, written by the Holy Spirit, for the, that it would all work out perfectly. And the model is not going to have any tweaking necessary needed. It's not going to have any um, skipping of things or um, shortening of things. It's Everything falls into place the right time for the length of time. It's, it's all, it doesn't have to be. God's word does not have to be magically cut with pretty scissors to fit perfectly to some model. And I love that. I love that God, he gives you peace. When you read the scriptures, 
and you accept them for the way that they're um, stated and you're praying and you're seeking more and you're looking for more confirmation as how this could all work out, God gives you that. If you're seeking right now and you're not sure where you fit in to the end time theology, read the word of God and pray that it'll be a clear picture for you. And it will be. And that's really what's happened to us. We we were at some of these, um, at least this pre-millennialism one, and I, I think it's because it's the most widely popularized with movies and books and all these mm-hmm, things that yeah. that we were all on that boat thinking this is the way it's going down because this is what everyone's teaching. This is what the church is kind of falling into. And I think if you really, truly have an honest look at the scriptures, you'll see that maybe this doesn't exactly fit the way the scriptures say it should fit. And especially that rapture, I think I've, you know, there's been a lot of jokes about that. Well, maybe you're not in tune to God and you're not going to hear that trumpet blow, you know? (laughs) You know, there's all these things. And I I don't think God wants anyone to feel that left behind um, attitude. Oh, you weren't good enough to be taken. I I think that is really from the enemy theology that only certain people are going to be exempt from pain and suffering. No, I think we're all going to have to go through pain and suffering. Jesus did. So I think... You know, this whole idea, we have to look at how this fits with Scripture and be okay with the way it fits and not have to force it to fit the way we want it to. Well, the next one we'll go over is amillennialism, which is essentially that the thousand-year reign of Christ is the entire Christian age. It's sort of like a symbolic 1,000 years. So it's not a literal 1,000-year reign of Christ. The problem with that, again, is like they, they say that the entire Christian age is Christ reigning with the saints in heaven. Mm. Okay, this is what they have to have, how they how they have to get it to work, that the saints and everybody is in heaven reigning with Christ for the thousand years. But it's not been thousand years; it's been over that now because right. it's been you know nearly almost two thousand years now. Mm-hmm. So they they say that of course the thousand year is just like a symbolic number; it's not an exact number. The problem is is in Revelation chapter twenty; it's mentioned. Five times one thousand years. It's uh, five times. It's it's stated one thousand years in there. Okay, it's not like it just mentioned once. Five times in six verses. I think. I love how God uses a lot of redundancy. Yeah. So I mean, it's almost like repeated in Revelation twenty five different times. Re- thousand years. Thousand years. Thousand years. So I have a problem with the idea if you say, oh well, it's it could be more or less than that. Because when you start making it that it's not the thousand years and it's either way more like these, they're teaching or the predators will say it's way less, mm-hmm. then it's why would he say a thousand years five different times? He would be considered to be a false prophet. Right. And that would make John a false prophet, which, mean, which means you'd have to toss out the entire book of Revelation <laughs> with the book of John as well. Right. And first, second, third, third John. John. Right. So in other words, you'd have to start getting rid of half the Bible in order to get this theology to fit. And that's and you just can't... He says a thousand years. He means a thousand years. Right. It's really simple. And he says it five times. It isn't like he just said five, a thousand years one time. So they always say it's it's the whole Christian age. Of course, they have Christ returning after the millennial reign. Mm. Because, remember, he's only reigning right now in heaven with the saints. So, it's you know, of course, more people die. I guess they're reigning with Christ in heaven right now. And of course, when Christ returns, it's going to be the, the judgment day and everything's going to be all over, like in one fell swoop. Right. It's going to be like Christ is going to return and then he's going to judge the nations and it's going to be like the great white throne judgment at that point. Right. So it's like he's kind of, they've kind of combined Christ's return with the great white throne judgment all like in one package. So he only returns once in that model? Yeah. Yeah. He's only returning once. Of course, they most of most amillennials will say, yeah, the church is going to have to go through the great tribulation, which is a seven year tribulation. Right. But then, you know, he re- he returns for the church, and then of course the great white throne judgment happens, and then we get the new heaven, new earth, and then this whole, or you know, it's it's a, kind of all over. Again, lots of problems with this one. Christ hasn't returned yet. He was eminent. You know, we read all the eminent passages right. and coming soon, coming quickly. You know, other ones in Matthew chapter 16, for the Son of Man will come in his glory of the Father and reward each according to his works. Surely I say to you, some standing here shall not taste death until they see the, man, the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So again, I don't know how many times you can say the same thing, but that's Matthew chapter 16. Luke 9 says the same thing. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him I'll, 
The Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and with the Father and the holy angels. But I tell you the truth, there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. So, again, he said a number of times, there's some standing here that will not taste death till they see me standing in the kingdom. So, so what exactly yeah. what exactly does that mean, though? I mean, some who will not taste death. So, they're saying that there are people who will not die until the coming of Jesus right. happens. So, you know, we've read that before, and I don't know why we looked over it, but maybe we thought... Well, a lot of times they'll, the kingdom of heaven is in, is in what they'll say is either within us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're going to see the kingdom of God. It's within us. That, that's how they usually twist it, or they'll say, no, it's, it's in heaven. So they're going to see the kingdom of God in heaven because Christ, at this point, hadn't done his work on the cross or whatever. Right. So, in other words, when he went to the cross and he ascended into heaven, he's reigning there now, so the king that's the kingdom of God up. Well, it just makes sense. The so that's idea, how they would twist that around. Yeah. The idea that it's a, a, a generational, it was a, one generation that you've covered this before, but it just it just makes sense that he would return to the people who knew him, or at least the people who were a part of his company when he was here previously, before his ascension to heaven. Well, of course, a big another big problem with this um, this idea of amillennialism is that. The saints are reigning with Christ in heaven. They ha- they they have to be reigning in heaven, mm. because remember they they reigned with Christ for, for the thousand years. But then my question would be like, well, what does God need priests of God? Because they're supposed to be priests of God in Christ and would reign with Him for a thousand years. Well, okay. Well, wait a minute now. Uh, what if, what does heaven need priests for? Right. Because it's perfect. It doesn't need priesthood or anything like that. So what are they doing up there as priests? Uh, you know, it, it, there's just a lot of problems, of course. Not a single verse in the Bible says anyone's going to heaven. Right. And that's I, in my Heaven Deception show. I kind of talked about that. The Bible's very clear where you're going to go when you die. It's Hades, at least during this time. Now I believe that it will be even beyond that. Right. The point is, is, the Bible teaches Hades. You go into the waiting place of the dead. Right. You don't go to heaven when you die. No one did. Heaven isn't really for us. Right. And there's not a single verse of the Bible that teaches such a thing. I had people try to challenge me on that, and, and they, of course, they'll bring up scriptures, and I'll say, "Well, that doesn't say that." Right. Of course, a lot of times, a lot they'll use, they'll misinterpret the word heaven from sky, because right. remember, heaven can be the sky, the firmament, or where God resides. Right. Sometimes it's used to refer to just the sky, and that's usually like the problem with Elijah. Right. Going, oh, didn't he get taken up into heaven? Well, the, the heaven could be the sky. He got taken up into the sky. It's, right. It's, it doesn't mean that he went up into the third heaven where God resides, okay? That's a stretch. And a matter of fact, heaven is always plural, too. It's actually the heavens. heavens right. It's actually the heavens. They don't, there's not just one heaven. It's heavens. It's always right. it's in, in the plural. So and they're, they're reigning with... And, and that's always the scapegoat a lot of these ones have. They don't work right. Uh, oh, they're in heaven right now. See? Well, and even though the Bible doesn't teach one single place anyone's going to heaven, uh, they got to use heaven somehow to try to. Oh, my theology doesn't work right. Oh, that, that that's that's because they're in heaven right now or whatever. And that's what amillennialism has to do. Everyone dies and they go to heaven to be with God and Christ, and then they'll come down when Christ's return happens. Well, I I do appreciate that the events in each one of these models, like the millennial reign. It is stated, but it's just not, they can't fit it that it's here on earth and that it's taking place because, you know, there has to be somewhere else for some of these models. It can't be the realistic right where we're at. Could it have already happened? Is it going to happen in our future? All the, these are real events. And if we can take God's word accurately and say, okay, this, these are real events. These events will have to happen. Christ's return, the millennial reign, the battle of Armageddon, the battle of Gog and Magog. All these are events that are going to have to fit into some model. Whatever model you pick or whatever model you are trying to uh, line up your, your understanding with, it's going to have to have at least all four of those and you know, maybe a little other events that should occur. How these events occur, where they occur, the scripture is pretty clear. It's not something you're going to have to, you know, wiggle and jiggle around and make it fit. Just fit it there just right and shave a little thing off there. And it's, you know, no, it doesn't have to be shaped to our liking. It's only to God's word. That's what matters. And, of course, another problem with it is the Battle of Armageddon and the Gog-Magog War. 
described in our Bibles as very ancient events, mm-hmm. using horsemen, horses, bucklers, spears, swords, etc. Stuff that we would never use today or in, in, in any future war. So, again, it, it, it's describing a war that happened well into our past on both those wars. Both right. the Armageddon War with horses being used extensively. We wouldn't ever use horses today in, in battle, but that's what they use in, in Armageddon. And, of course, Gog and Magog describes all these other uh, weapons used, right. as bows and arrows and, you know, all these other things. So, again, it's stuff that we would never use today, but, of course, they used back then... And so it describes it uh, a past event, in my opinion, right. because there's just no way you. The Bible gives great details on all the what they what what these soldiers had in their possession. You know, nothing that we would have we use in warfare today. Well, and that's really no what guns or anything like that. A lot of these events, they they are written out clearly in the scriptures to pertaining to a certain time period. Can we honestly say, does this fit the time period we're in? You might watch movies and whatnot, and it's funny because some of these period piece movies, they're so accurate to what they wore, the shoes, Mm -hmm, the clothing, everything has to be perfect. They look through all the wardrobe and make sure, you know, if there isn't anything that doesn't seem to fit in that time period, they don't allow any of the actors to have that. And that's the idea, is they're setting you up for a reenactment of a time period. Mm -hmm. Well, when you read scripture, it's like watching an old historic movie. There's there's no reenactment happening for our time period. This has already taken place. So you read it as though it fits in the right time period. Post-millennialism is the next one I want to go over. This one's kind of a... Not too many people really focus on the post-millennialism these days because this has the what, the what this main belief is that that we're going to evangelize the world to the point where it'll usher in the thousand-year reign of Christ because the whole world will be under an evangelism kind of scenario that will just will convert more and more people over to where the thousand-year reign of peace of Christ will happen because people have been converted to Christianity. That's kind of what their belief is, okay? That that it's it's like a starts out slow, but then as more people start focusing, believing in Christ and believing in God and all this, that it ushers in the thousand year reign of Christ. Sort of, it's a spiritual thousand years. Okay, so I'm just so thinking, thousand years of peace, essentially, with Christianity going over all the world. Post meaning it's already happened, though. Yeah, I know, but that this is what they're saying is that it's. <laughs> I, it's confusing, I know, but they're, they're saying that... I am that, so confused, yeah. and, and if anyone else is following along, you're like, I don't understand a word you're saying. Well, it takes time to get there. I I am with you. I have not always understood. I feel like he's speaking another language when he's telling me all these models. You know, when we talked about it together, it's just... Yeah, it, it's confusing, and it's, it's hard to even understand why certain people are called certain things when they believe these models. And, you know, just a little while ago when we were talking, I was like, so what are we called when we believe the model the Bible talks about? <laughs> well, of course, this model, uh, Christ, happens at the end of the ushering in of the nations, the uh, the, the thousand-year peace that we brought in because we evangelized the world and all that. Right. Um, then Christ returns at the end of that, of course. So he comes at the end. Wait a minute. Wasn't he supposed to come way back? <laughs> Of course, we know all these eminent passages. We just talk. Another problem with all this: Christ hasn't returned yet, and He hasn't showed up yet. Another problem with this one, um, and, and then of course, the gospel message it brings the peace on earth, which we see that it hasn't really, at least up until this point, it hasn't really happened yet. Well, the peace on earth isn't really happening as quickly as we may want it to. I mean, it seems like it's going worse in the opposite direction. And of course, they got the saints reigning in heaven. Again, that's heaven's a crutch they got to use for all these things. That okay, if if they're in heaven right now, reigning, I guess until they would have to be reigning in heaven with Christ because mm-hmm. that'd be the only way it could work. Because mm-hmm. remember, they were reigning with Christ for the thousand years. So as soon as we get to a, a very area where the world is fully evangelized, then I guess all the saints are up there reigning with Christ. Then uh, you know, I mean. Wasn't he reigning? Be- I don't know. I, I just don't like the idea of reigning in heaven because you're not. That means you're not here on earth helping us out. You're just right. you're in heaven. God's in heaven. That's fine. But we need we need boots on the ground is what we're needing now. And it, essentially, it does. It seems like he Christ meant 
that he was going to be reigning here on Earth. And that's right. obviously that's what he meant when the thousand year reign of Christ. Everybody thought it was going to be here. They didn't think it was going to be in heaven. No one, uh, none of the apostles are under the illusion it's going to be in heaven. Right. So that's why I'm always uh, to get the under, under understanding. No, it's here on Earth. This is where the thousand year reign was going to be, and he's going to be with. And the saints are going to be here with Christ for the thousand years. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, of course, the next one we'll go into is full preterism. The problem with full preterism that we have is at least they have it right. Okay, Christ already mm-hmm. came back after in the one generation, like he said. So they got that one right. Okay. And uh, they got another thing they got right is that almost all these Bible prophecies have been fulfilled already, which okay. is really, which I believe as, as well. I'm slightly different on that. I think it took a little longer than what they said, but I still think at it, because time has gone by, we, we've since gone past all that. And we, yeah, all the main Bible prophecies have been fulfilled. The problem is, is their thousand year reign of Christ. They've crammed into 40 years. <laughs> yeah. They had to cram it in from the ascension of Christ to the second coming. That's okay. and of course he's reigning in heaven. He's okay. not. It's not a physical reign on earth during that time. Okay. So in other words, and of course, and then that, that again, the, the, the saints are reigning with him for the thousand years. Well, guess what? I guess they're reigning in heaven with him. Mm. See, again, they have to throw. They, they, they these all these ones have to get heaven in there because it, their theology doesn't work if you don't if you take heaven out of the option right. out of the picture. Which the Bible doesn't say anyone's going to heaven. No one has ascended to heaven. It says. Right. That's John chapter three, <laughs> right. verse thirteen. We can you can look it up right now. No one has ascended to heaven, and so if no one's ascended to heaven, then that means how could they be reigning with Christ for the thousand years in heaven? Right. They can't. They can't be. So that means that, does, that all these ones don't work, and so when John wrote that, obviously he had people that already died that were in Christ, right. and they weren't in heaven with Christ. So therefore, where were they at? Well, we know where they were at. They, right. they, the Bible already says where the dead go. They, they right. go to Hades. Right. Okay, that's where they were at. And Christ wasn't in Hades, but for three three days and three nights. Right. That's what the Bible states. Right. He 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 came out of Hades, and he, yeah, now he's yeah. got his glorified body. But we are uh, everybody else still are we're still in Hades at that point. Right. Okay. That's until you know until later on, first and second resur- general resurrections that got everybody out of Hades. But the point is. is Big problem. They had to cram the thousand-year reign of Christ into just forty years. Mm-hmm. So obviously, five, even though five times thousand year years are mentioned, mm-hmm. they have to make the Gog Magog war the same war as Armageddon. Diff- instead of being two different wars, they're the same war. That's what they have to do. They they have to cram the Gog Magog war and Armageddon into the same war. Okay, martyred saints live reigning with Christ in heaven, and Armageddon and and, and, and the Gog Magog war are the same. Well, it um, seems like you know. in all of these models, it seems as though the enemy is working really hard on the church. It's it's interweaving these ideas and kind of scenarios that you know is confusing to the church, to the body of the church believers. And I don't think this is what God intended. And another problem with that is that you have a thousand year reign of Christ, and then you have if Armageddon and the Gog Magog war are the same war, okay. Well, Satan get, gets bound for a thousand years, but then he's got to get loosed mm-hmm. for a little season. Right. And then he's got to go out and deceive the nations to go to war against the camp of the saints and the holy ones. And all that in 40 years? Right. Okay, you, you've got the thousand-year reign of Christ, plus you got the Satan's little season, and then you have this war all within 40 years. They have to cram the little season in with the 40 years as well. <laughs> and they're cramming a lot into the little, see, it just doesn't work. Cram, but you see, the way, so that's another problem with that one, that one is that you just, you have to cram all these events into just a short amount of 40 year time span. Thousand year reign of Christ is within 40 years. Plus Satan's little season is also crammed in there. Plus Satan has to go out and deceive all these nations to go to war against the camp of the saints and the holy mm-hmm. ones within that time period too. Mm-hmm. You have all these things happening. So Satan wasn't really bound for that long. According yeah. to that one, I guess he wasn't bound for very long at all mm-hmm. because he needed at least time to go, uh, go, um, go after the camp of the saints and the holy ones. I guess he might have only been bound for just a short amount, very short amount of time. Well, I mean, why, why, can't the scriptures work the way that they're stated? Why 
Do you think yeah, you have it, to be, um, you know, kind of like, I'm saying that, I'm sorry to say this, and, if you, and please don't, don't take this any offensive, but it's like cooking the books from scripture. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, we have to, oh, that I, that doesn't work. We have to fiddle with this and make this work and erase this and, and put this where this, you know, that is what the confusing part is. And that's what I meant earlier. It seems like the enemy has worked really hard at confusing and distorting scripture so that it doesn't make sense. And the only way for it to make sense is so that you make it make sense. Take that puzzle piece and shave it off a little and cut it there and, and put it in the puzzle. And it doesn't mean that the picture is going to look the way God wanted it to look. It's just going to look the way you want it to look because it fits the way you feel comfortable with the pieces fitting. And that's not what we're supposed to do as believers. We're supposed to take the word of God as is. No mistakes, no errors, maybe with the exception to the interpretation of certain, you know, words and whatnot and, and things that were taken out. But the idea that I had a, we had a preacher, the gentleman that married us years ago, he used to say, God's word is, is always going to be right. It, it, there's yep. nothing wrong with it. Um, it's always going to fit for today's timeline, you know, to, for, for us to believe it, take it as it is. There's nothing you have to do to change, to, to make it work. It's going to work the way God has already designed it to work. And I love that. I love that. That it is a perfect, inerrant word of God. And there's nothing that we have to do to change or make things work so that we can have peace. We need to be praying and seeking God so that his word, and when we read it, is the peace we're seeking in the, the way that scenarios all work out. And the way that we've talked about in previous episodes, I have so much more peace about how mm -hmm. we figure things out or at least... The scriptures have allowed us to see things more clearly. I think that's really where it's at. Not that things, we've figured it out. No, it's that the scriptures are making more sense the more we read them. <laughs> and the you know, last one I want to go into is partial preterism, which is kind of what I was with my position just a while back. Because that most of the problems are fixed with this partial preterism. In other words, the thousand-year reign of Christ... Was like exactly it's like Christ returned at seventy A.D. just like just like he said he was going to do within that generation. Mm -hmm. Then you had the thousand year reign of Christ, and now we're in Satan's little season. the The problem with that is that, well, okay, seventy A.D. Christ starts the millennial reign, and then he reigns for a thousand years. That's ten seventy A.D. Then we're still in Satan's little season after a thousand, almost a thousand years now. That's does not a little season. Mm -hmm. So the way they get that to work. Is that, oh, okay, well, there's been a bunch of years added to the timeline. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, okay, th that was what I was having trouble with. Because, yes, I do realize that it does look like they've added years to, to different kinds of money and different buildings and some books and stuff like this. I, I get all that. But what, the, I'm, what I'm thinking here is that definitely there might have been some funny business going on with some of that. But I really don't think that it would be possible to add 700 to 1,000 years to the timeline because there's too many events that have happened. Like when does, when does the Reformation movement mm -hmm. happen? That happened sometime in our past. Mm -hmm. Okay, Then you had all these splits in the church that happened. And all the, you have enough church history that it would be really difficult for Satan to have doctored the timeline with, you know, with enough history that we have. That it, it just seems like it's not possible. You know, you got the thousand year reign of Christ, then you have Satan's little season after that. And then that's running into the, into the time of the Reformation and all this other stuff. And so I just don't see it possible to add in any phantom years in there. It just wouldn't be, wouldn't be possible. Plus, of course, the idea that we're waiting for the Gog Magog war to still happen. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the description of the, and of course, that's what all the other ones have problems with too the god magog war is a problem with all of these right because they all have the god magog war as the last event before the end in the great white throne judgment and if you go to read ezekiel 38 and 39 right it's just it's describing a war in in excruciating detail <laughs> of something that happened well into our past right because of what they would have used right Okay, the weapons that he used and all the wooden weapons that he used, the swords, bows and arrows, mm -hmm. horses, 
horsemen. I mean, he, I mean, almost like Ezekiel goes into great deep. And I think mm-hmm. that was for a reason. I think that was to tell us, okay, if you don't see any of these things in future wars, you know that you're, you're, you're past this event. Right. I, I really think that's what he was doing. He was mm-hmm. giving so much detail. Matter of fact, it, there's not a single war that's given more detail about weapons that were used during that war than this one. And I think that was God giving us a clue of, is this in our past or in our future? And I think he was trying to tell us, no, no, this is in your past. This is what he was doing for us. He was telling us this war is in our past. I'm going to quote a little phrase. He threw us a little timeline bomb or bone. (laughs) Yeah. and And basically I just can't, you just can't see all these things being used, of course, now modern guys will say, oh, these there's modern equivalents to all these. Again, some way they have to twist the scripture around. Mm-hmm. Oh, sword doesn't mean a sword. It means something else. Bows and arrows don't mean bows and arrows. They mean something else. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, listen, I, the way I look at the Bible is if it says this is what it uses, right. that's what it uses. Otherwise, he's a false prophet. Right. Ezekiel, you have to call Ezekiel a false prophet if, in fact... Those weapons aren't being used. Right. Because that's horses and horsemen. I mean, lances. I mean, come on. Right. I mean, what modern equivalent could it be to a lance right. that goes with a horse? <laughs> I mean, there's no modern equivalent to that. See, then I, what I'm saying is, is that you have to stretch out. And I think that the reason why all those details were given to us is to tell us, is we're going to tell you if this is in your past or in your future. Right. And then you'll know where we're at on the timeline. So I'm saying, no, this is well before the advent of gunpowder. They use all these things, which in, in, in my take, 1405, and everything works perfectly. The thousand-year reign of Christ took exactly a thousand years. Right. Satan's little season, 335 years. And then the Gog-Magog war happened, and the Great White Throne Judgment happened shortly after that. Right. It's really simple. Well, it's a time. Nothing, yeah. Every, everything, time went on. Exactly. And all the prophecies uh, got fulfilled as time went on, just like you would think that would happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there's no problems here. You don't have to cram anything into a certain small area. Nope. The thousand-year reign of Christ was exactly a thousand years. Right. Satan's little season was, his little season lasted that long. Right. And then we're living beyond that time. It's really simple. Right. And it, it fits with what the Bible states, and everything fits. I don't have to make excuses for any problem text that doesn't fit into this scenario. And this is why I couldn't go along with all these ones. I see too many problems with them. And I'm just saying, yeah, no, 1360, I think, is my date for the Gog-Magog War. And they would have been using all those weapons. Well, I think what we would call is you had, like, you could not digest these these different models. There was always something that kind of gave you spiritual indigestion. <laughs> When you try to to really see these models coming accuracy lining up to the word of God and it just was not it was it was just awkwardly not even meshing and as much as you know the trying to make it fit thing it if it doesn't match up it's not going to match up let's just go with what the scriptures say as what it and how it takes place and not try to make something mesh cuz it's not going to mesh if God doesn't want it to mesh, it's not going to mesh. And we have to go, okay, what am I missing? Why am I not getting this? And that's what we had to do. We had to, like, take a step back yep. and just take a deep breath and go, okay, for some reason, I can't seem. It's like anything you try, like, you try to put something together or you try to figure something out, a plan that you're trying to do for something. And you have to kind of slowly go through each step to see how it's going to work out, to make sure it'll all come out perfectly. And that's really what you do when you read the scriptures in context, in relation to where they fit in time, in a time period, and not in our time. Well, they all had problems with the Gog-Magog War. Uh The Gog-Magog War and every one of these models, it doesn't fit in right, so they have to get it, they have to somehow stuff it in there somewhere, or get it to fit somehow, or merge it with another war, or Mm. they they have to do something with it because it doesn't work right on the descriptions of this war. Being an ancient war, none of them have it working right. Because remember, it's it's after the thousand-year reign of Christ is when this Gog-Magog war happens. Right. Okay, it's after the thousand years. (laughs) Most of these ones, 
they don't even have us at the millennial reign of Christ yet. Okay. In other words, the Gog Magog war is a thousand years in the future. I even heard somebody. It's amazing what they'll say. EMP uh-huh. is what co- blows us back into the Stone Age <laughs> and we're having to use weapons like this. I'm not kidding you. This is what I was told by people. Mm. When I brought up this idea that, well, look at the Gog Magog War. Horses, horsemen, all these. We're going to be going back to those things. Oh, no, an EMP pulse will destroy all of our weapons and we'll have to go back to using that now. Mm. Well, and then I stated, well, wait a minute. EMP doesn't affect guns. They, they still <laughs> work with EMPs. Right. Oh, well, the, we'll run out of bullets eventually. Oh, wait a minute. So foundries will work, right. making swords, spears, all these other stuff. We can't figure out how to make bullets? <laughs> <clears throat> Too many problems. It just, no, it doesn't work. Well, I think the idea that you have to maybe even close your eyes and go, why can't I envision all this already happening? I think when we kind of talked about it or when you brought it up, and it just like, it almost was like the light bulb went on. But when you said to me, this might all be in our past, it's almost like, have you ever had like a wind come over you and it was like a warm but peaceful wind? Like, well, that was really refreshing. It was like, and almost like made everything feel like it was perfect. And when you said that, it was like, man, that makes so much sense. And it's just because it, so many things just aren't very clear if you have to make it force it to fit something. It's something my dad always said, never force anything. But the idea is if you have to force it, it doesn't really fit correctly. It only, it, it, it's wedged in there. And like you wear a pair of shoes and you force your feet into a size seven, you're really a size nine, your feet are going to hurt. And I think the whole idea is the truth hurts when it's not perceived correctly. And God doesn't want us to misconstrue his word so it'll fit the way we want it to fit. I think he wants us to accept his word the way it is in the time frame that it says it's supposed to fit and be okay with all. And that's that peace that comes over you. And you're like, oh, I love that, that I can accept and trust that God's word is accurate in what he says and how he says things fit. And I don't have to make it fit to make me feel good. I can feel good because I know that this is the truth. And I, and I get it. We missed out on all the action. <laughs> no one, everybody wants to think that we're special and that, hey, the action's happening now, and I'm right in the middle of it. I, I, I mean, this is kind of where everybody's at, but no one wants to think, oh, wait a minute, we missed out on everything. All the events that the Bible talks about, they're all over and done with now. What's next? What, 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 well, we're done with everything in the Bible. The Bible, all the prophecies have been fulfilled, and now we're living our lives according to, to, to faith in God, and then we'll receive our, our internal inheritance. Well, that's not that flashy that's not and that's not no there's no action involved with that you know well, why am i and, created if i can't enjoy the good stuff see everybody wants to think that everything's going to happen and I, you know yeah so we missed out on all the main events of the bible okay <laughs> yeah it, it, we missed out on a lot of the bible I mean, most everything really but we still god has created us for a purpose and plan for right now right. stand up against this nonsense that we're living in right now right. in this darkness that's over our age that we live in and that's what i'm i'm, I'm doing Right. I'm standing up against this nonsense and darkness and wickedness of this present age. Right. And I think that's what God wants every single person on earth to do. And if everyone just stood up against this, then it would all be over. But you know what? There's not enough of us. That's why I'm calling for your help. Yes. I want every single person to be to stand up and say, I am going to say no to sin and depravity and wickedness in this dark age that we're living in. Because we know that the demonic forces have taken over and they're getting involved with all kinds of stuff now. AI, robotics. I mean, it's crazy. Like it's, it's becoming like the Terminator scenario all <laughs> over again, but you know what? And we're just kind of like going, you know, we kind of feel helpless about this, right. but all we can do, we're we're, all we can do is just put our trust and faith in God. That's all we can do. I'm just getting the word out. That's all I'm doing. Just like everybody else is doing the same thing here. We're all just in our way trying to get the word out to friends, family, everything. That, you know, maybe maybe all these Bible prophecies are fulfilled, but our job is to stand up against wickedness in this dark age that we're living in right. now because there's a new dark age we're living in that's, I think, almost in certain ways darker than ever before. And that's what I want all of us to stand up against because we don't know what the future holds. That's why we have to put our trust and faith in God. And I think that's exactly what God wanted for us to begin with. I don't think he wanted us to 
think there's some scenario we can um, wait to occur and it'll happen and we'll know, you know, I think we need to know spiritually, are we on the right path? Are we living rightly? Are we obeying his word? Are we walking with him daily? Those things, are we praying? Are we trying to share the good news with um, strangers or our loved ones who don't believe? You know, those are the things. Knowing what we need to do and doing what we need to be doing is more perfect to the reason why we were created created than to wait for some event to unfold so we can say, okay, I can see where we are. I don't think God wanted us to pinpoint anything. He wants us to trust him because that's what faith is all about. That is what a right relationship with living with the Lord is, is not, I heard it the other day, it's not knowing every detail in our future, but trusting him with every detail to come. Well, we're li definitely living in a dark age. Yes. An age of wickedness and depravity. And deception. And deception. And all we can do is hold out and hold on. Because this is going to be a bumpy ride that we're going to be. I'm <laughs> serious when I say this. That, you know, I, we're, we're trying to create a movement of people that are awake. Yes. Like, you know, when it came to a lot of these wickedness that's been going on with the whole COVID nonsense that's been going on the last few years. It's like, you know what? I, your host here, we've been in the forefront of opposing all this from day one. Yeah. Never closing down our church when all these other churches were closing down because, oh, we don't want to get anybody sick when we knew it was all a hoax. Mm -hmm. We knew it was a spiritual uh, deception. We knew all that from the get-go. The Lord had revealed this to us from the very beginning right. and called us out of, the, of this darkness from the day one. Everyone else was telling us, you know, hey, we're killing our grandmother. We're doing a... We knew we were going to stand up. We were standing up against evil forces. And now it's going to—it's ha happening again. We're, we, we just got to stand up again and keep standing up. We're not going to sit down. We're not, we're, we're not going to take it. Right. Okay? And, and we'll have to have a show on, on how I figured out that COVID was a sticking spiritual um, curse. And it wasn't what they were saying it is. Because essentially that's what it is. It's a spiritual spell that's been cast on the world. Well, that's the idea is that we know the truth. We know who is the truth. And we trust in God and his word, which is truth, then you're not going to be easily deceived or fall for some scam or deception or spell. They say these things so we believe them, but we all we need to do is believe the word of God and stand firm on what what his word says. That's really all we need to do. Well, we're living definitely in a dark age in Satan's little season, at least mm -hmm. Satan's little season 2.0, not <laughs> only because it's biblical. But because it's the only thing that makes sense. Join or contact us at satanslowseason.org. This is a non-copyright Living in Satan's Low Season production.